Welcome to Leveraging Leadership. This is the podcast where we unpack the art of business leadership. I'm your host, Emily Sander, C-suite executive turned leadership coach. And today we are talking about the art of the swizzle. And swizzling helps you and your team be more creatively resourceful. So tapping into all the different resources you have. And you're probably not tapping into every single one that you have right now. So by the end of the episode, you will be able to get closer to that. If you're sitting there going, swizzle, I haven't heard that in executive leadership before. Swizzle, is that a word? It is a word. It's a word that I made up a few years ago. And the way it came up was I actually blurted it out to my team. We were racing around and we were trying to get this deck ready to go for a presentation we had that afternoon. And in my head, I knew that we had the information and content in three other PowerPoint presentation decks that we had done before for like a board meeting, a client meeting, and then another internal meeting for a different group. So in my head, I knew we had this. And I, I said, I was like, guys, just swizzle the three decks together and make a new deck for our one this afternoon. And by context, they actually knew what I was talking about. And what I meant was take the best slides from each of the previous three decks, take the most relevant information, put them in a new deck, format it and reorder it and make it flow together so it's a new deck. And so by swizzling the slide decks together, we had the deck we needed for the presentation and the concept of swizzling was born. And it's been really fun for me throughout the years because after that, my team caught on and started using that word or variations of it. So they would say it back to me like, oh, yeah, Em, like we can swizzle that together. Or like, oh, what if we swizzled this, this, and this? And they would just say it <laughs> out of practice. I even heard um, an executive, one of my executive colleagues, say it at a board meeting in a pretty serious setting when things were a little bit tense with our board members. And she was like, yeah, I can swizzle that together for you. And I had to stifle a laugh and stifle a smile. So swizzling has has taken off in the groups I've led. And um, by context, hopefully you know. But I want to give you three more to hit this point home and also give you, uh, give you a few different ways to think about it and a few different perspectives to use it. So let's jump right in. The first one I like to share is when I was listening to this podcast with Floyd Mayweather. And Floyd Mayweather is this champion boxer. And I'm not into boxing. I don't watch it. I don't, you don't want to see me box. I've never trained for boxing. Um, but they were interviewing him and they're asking him, what makes him the best? Why are you at the top of your field? What makes you a champion boxer? And they were trying to dig in and say, is it like a secret training routine you have? Is it a special diet, your sleep schedule, like all these things? And finally he said, no, it's my adaptability. It's my ability to adapt to any opponent, to any round, and even to any punch better than anyone else. And that's what makes me the champion. And I was listening to that and I was driving and I stopped in my track. I didn't stop the actual car, but I stopped in my mental tracks and a light bulb went off. And I said, oh my gosh, I don't know anything about boxing, but I can definitely lift and shift that adaptability concept into my world of business and leadership. And thinking through, okay, am I adapting to big things like market changes or industry shifts? Am I adapting to medium or small things like this week's team meeting versus next week's team meeting might be slightly different? Or even, you know, I'm talking to this person and trying to deliver information in a way that they are going to receive it best. And then next time, next hour, I'm going to flip, flip over here and talk to the second person who I know likes information delivered a little bit differently. So can I adapt or adjust my approach to be more effective? 
So that's one great way to take something that I do and you do every day, which is listen to podcasts and say, okay, how can I swizzle a boxing concept into a business concept? Another thing you can swizzle is the type of leader you want to be. So if you look at leaders that you respect and admire or even bosses that you've actually worked with and say, okay, what traits or attributes from them made them really good? What made me enjoy working with that person or helped me learn something or grow as a leader myself? And so if I look at all of my bosses I've had, there's certainly some where I think we all have had the ones where it's like, ooh, that's a how-to of what not to do. So we'll just ignore, <laughs> ignore that one. But hopefully you have at least one or a few where you go, okay, no, I really want to think about what made them great. And for me, I remember a, a specific boss who was an entrepreneur, a real young guy, super driven, always at 110%. He was at an 11 or 12 on a scale of 1 to 10 all the time. And the word that comes up when I think of him is relentless. He was relentless in all of the negative connotations and all of the positive connotations of that word. He was exacting and had high standards for himself and everyone around him. And he would not respond well if you weren't at that same level of energy and same level of drive and hustle as he was. So that could be a little bit grating and tiring for people if they just were not in the mood for it. Conversely, if you were trying to solve a problem and you needed someone to go all in and help you solve that problem, he would focus in and he would have nothing else to do but help you solve that problem 100%. And he would be relentless towards that. So for me, when I look at my leadership, I don't think I need or want to be, you know, really relentless and jarring and sometimes scary to people all the time. That's just not my style or not what's needed. However, there are certain points where I can see this is a big deal to my team member. It's not necessarily a big deal to me, but this is a really big deal to them. And so I am going to be relentless about focusing my energy and helping them solve the problem, whether it's soundboarding or coming up with different options or suggesting different things or asking open-ended questions. I can be relentless about that. And in the same way, I can tap into the spirit of this previous boss I had when there, there is a time that the team needs to take it up a notch and we need to all step up. Hey, we've got this project for the next six days. Everyone needs to buckle up and dial it in and we need to go, go, go. So tapping it in where needed or where appropriate is good for me to swizzle into my leadership. So I discard what doesn't work and I take in what does and I make it all of my own. Another boss example is something small. So I had a boss very early in my career, and I was a contractor at this company. And all the contractors sat together, and our boss sat pretty far away from us. It was a few minutes' walk to get to us. And every morning, she would come in and, with a smile on her face, say good morning and greet everyone by name. She would walk around and greet everyone by name. And there were about 12 people. And most people would say like, oh, good. I'm, I'm doing good. How are you? Good. Okay. Have a nice day. Da, da, da. Some people might share a little something that was going on with them that morning or that week. And she would sit there and have a nice, pleasant exchange. And it didn't take very long. It, I mean, it took longer than not doing it at all, but it didn't take very long, but it meant a lot. And I remember it. And it just set the tone for the day and let 
people know that she was thinking about them. And she acknowledged that we were there, even though we were far away from her physically. And when I got my team and had a very similar setup where my team was sitting over around around a corner in a different area, and my desk was um, on the opposite side of the building, I would go and I would say good morning to everyone. And I would walk around and say good morning. And I had inherited this team. And at first I was getting kind of like side-eye looks like, what is she doing? And then people were like, is she going to do that every day? Like say hello to us every day? And I kept doing it and doing it. And then, you know, a long time later, I forgot to do it one morning. I think I was late for a meeting and had to rush right into a call. And like three people slacked me and said, like, are you okay? Like, we know you're in the office, but we didn't get our good morning walkabout. And so they missed it. So little things like that that you can incorporate and swizzle into your own leadership style or leadership presence from previous bosses or from leaders that maybe you don't know, but you have read about or listened to interviews with, all of those things can be incorporated as well. And the last example here comes from the weight training world. So I grew up playing sports. I've always been active. I've been super into fitness. And for a while there, I was really into the Olympic lifts at the gym. So squats, deadlifts, overhead press, things like that, kind of CrossFit type fitness. And I really wanted to get good at it and optimize my training. And so I would study the science behind it. And when you dig into it, there's these things called volume landmarks. And the one we'll talk about today is called the maximum recoverable volume. So MRV. And it, it's kind of what it sounds like, maximum recoverable volume. It is the absolute most training that your body can take in before it can't recover before its next workout. So your MRV is the absolute max or top you want to hit. And if you go over your MRV, you're actually doing junk volume. You're doing your reps, you're lifting the weights, you're working hard, but it's not doing anything for you. It's not helping you get stronger or bigger or anything like that. And there comes a point when you're doing so much junk volume, it actually hurts you. So it actually injures you in that session itself, in that workout itself, or it sets you up for a higher likelihood of being injured the next time you work out. And when I read about this and learned about this, I thought, oh, this is cool. I'm going to be able to really optimize my training and set up my programming and sequencing of how I worked, build up to my MRV, peak at that point, and then taper off so I don't hurt myself, but really push myself to get there at certain points. And then it dawned on me that this has a huge crossover to the work world in terms of not burning ourselves out. There's plenty of times where we might be staying late at the office or working late, and realizing that there is a point of diminishing returns. There is a point where it's midnight and I could push forward, but my brain just feels like it's leaving my body. I don't have anything left. I'm stepping on the gas. I'm going on fumes. We've all had that feeling, right? So there is that tipping point where it's better to, instead of pushing on from midnight to 4 a.m., like you could do that. You could down Red Bull and like double fist coffee, but you're hurting yourself. You're not doing any good. Your, your quality of work is not getting any better. And there comes a tipping point where it's actually hurting you. So there comes a point where you will no longer be able to recover before your next work session. So in this case, if you push from midnight to 4 a.m. and then you don't get great sleep and you have to be back up the next day, well, your next session of work and working on that project suffers. You would have been better to say, okay, I've gone all I can do today. It's midnight. Let me go home. Let me go sleep or just let me go do something else and then rest and recover and come back with fresh eyes and a fresh brain and get the most quality I can out of that next work session. So in both cases, in that weight training case and in the working late on a special project, you want to stay in the game. 
That's the name of that's the name of the game. You want to stay in the game. So it's not let me burn myself out as hard as I can, as quick as I can. It's let me take the big picture in mind and how do I pace myself and keep myself in this for the long term? And also how do I get the most quality work out of what I'm doing? Okay, so there were three examples of swizzling. So we're taking the best component out of an item or an area and then incorporating it into a new or better thing. A note here is it's swizzling is uniquely applied to a situation. So each situation might require something uh, slightly different than the last one. And it's also uniquely applied by an individual. So for instance, what I might look for from previous bosses and what suits my leadership style might be completely separate from one of my colleagues. All right, takeaways for this episode. Look for opportunities to swizzle in different areas of your life. And if you're kind of already doing this, saying like, Emily, I think I already do this, that's great. Actively look for these opportunities, set the intention to do it, and even more will pop up. And they should be everywhere. You can you can look for things at the grocery store or at the airport or even a billboard, anything that might give you an idea and say, oh, I could actually incorporate something like that or from that in our PowerPoint presentation at work. Or something at work might just tilt your thinking a little bit to find a creative solution on something else you're working on outside of work. And there also might be something that would make a big difference with your personal growth. So just something that gives you a paradigm shift or an aha moment to see something in a brand new way. And also don't forget the knowledge and perspective from your team, from within your team. So if you're sitting there saying, okay, well, I listen to these podcasts and do these hobbies and have this background and experience, I can swizzle all those from all those. That's great. If you've got seven or eight people on your team, they've got their podcasts or their books or their hobbies or whatever they've been through to bring to the table as well. That can be a huge point of conversation and discussion and bringing all those things out on the table to help you as a team and as a group be as resourceful and creative as possible. Okay, so that is the swizzle concept. And it just actually made me think of one of my favorite books and one of my most recommended books to leaders, which is called Team of Teams by Stanley McChrystal, by General Stanley McChrystal. And it talks about his time in Iraq and Afghanistan fighting the Al-Qaeda insurgents. And he had to make his military machine that was big and monolithic and very efficient, but bulky into a nimble, adaptable team of teams. Um, But just a note for myself and a quick teaser for you, I'm going to do an episode recapping that book, which will be another example of swizzling adaptability. All right. Well, thank you so much for listening. I really appreciate all of the people and their support out there. And I will catch you next week on Leveraging Leadership. This episode is brought to you by Next Level Coaching. If you or anyone you know would like to learn more about executive leadership coaching, please visit www.nextlevel.coach.